Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Jam to Transmissions. I am your host. Mr. Rick Villanueva in cold as hell, Michigan. Guys, I want it to be spring. I'm so done with cold weather. And I don't want to complain about the weather because some other people got bigger problems than I do. Somebody who's with me right now dealing with their own kind of stuff. Uh, it's my special guest. Um, after I can see all the buckets that uh, are now empty behind her. She's looking. She's like, what are you talking about? All the rain buckets, keeping all the collectibles safe, guys, from Into the Garbage Chute. And maybe more so known as Star Wars Thrifting Online, it is my good friend Silver. How the hell are you? Hi, I'm over. I'm ready for spring too. I'm. I'm over. saying, yeah, it's. I'm over this weather. I was. I was telling you a little bit off air is that you know on Saturdays I like to go thrifting. I like to go to the flea markets. I like to go to the garage sales. But this weather is just not letting that happen for me. So I'm ready for springtime. Ready to get out there. But like you said, there's other bigger problems, so I'll just deal with it for now. But I've been yeah. good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. I was worried. You put out like a tweet like a week or two ago saying like, I got friends over helping me clean, save all my stuff that's in the garage. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. We, yeah. I've told this story on the show before when my son was maybe a year old. We lived in a garden apartment, a basement apartment, and we flooded and we lost a ton of stuff and um it's a nightmare having to deal with that kind of stuff and it's one thing just to lose like you know your personal effects is bad enough you know clothing computers and stuff like that but when you have like collectibles that are mm -hmm. a lot of times not necessarily one of a kind but hard to replace um yeah and the memories are you know attached with those things like the hunt of mm -hmm. where you were and you have to get rid of it like i'm yeah. glad i'm glad for your sake that it seems your stuff has all survived. Um, yeah. You built yourself a nice little Noah's Ark there that you're sailing around and keeping all your Star Wars stuff safe. <laughs> yeah, um, that will always be a priority. And, um, you know. Not the, we... not the family? Just your stuff? <laughs> just the stuff. The stuff you will packed... just arrive. The stuff will, the stuff will be proof that I, you know, I survived. Or, or <laughs> I, I, the stuff, the stuff will prove that, I was around. Um, we're going to see yeah. you floating around. We're going to see you floating around on your uh, pod racer arcade game My with a paddle. Racer. Yeah. With a paddle. That's, that's, that's a good one. I also have a very popular soda machine that, you know, I can use as a boat as well, but yeah, you know, it wasn't, I, it wasn't like a flooding situation. It was more like there was this, uh, a part of our ceiling, um, our neighbor's tree fell oh, no. and kind of hit chipped off a little part of my garage i have a detached garage where i cast mm -hmm. all my my collection it's it's a it's a pretty decent garage it's um it's more like a 
the way it's built like a barn so like it's more like there's a lot of you know it's wooded not really insulated um but that's where all my stuff is at um so it kind of chipped the uh, edge of it and so but after i mean we just had like a downpour for like four days straight and you know we just had to move things away from that area kind of you know put a tarp over it until it was dry enough so we can kind of patch it back up together but um Again, luckily nobody was hurt. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. No Jar Jar Binks collectibles were, um, you know, were hurt during um, dur- uh, during it. So I I call that a win. But um, yeah, it could be very stressful. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, I- that's all my stuff. And like you said, I feel like if <clears throat> I mean uh, some things you can replace, but it's just the memories attached to mm-hmm. to these things. I mean, I I look at almost everything in my collection, there's a story attached to it. That's a story that's a part of me. So I'm just like, I would be devastated if I, you know, if something were to happen, but again, nobody was hurt. That's all that matters. Um, But I will say, I'm glad to know that there is an arcade um, with a pod racer um, attached to it. If I ever need it, I I'm sure I can uh, float along with it. So. Yeah. So to anybody, the higher powers of the universe listening right now, it needs to be a little less Camino and a little more Cloud City please, over please, in Silver's please. Neck of the Woods. So I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> a little more Naboo, maybe a waterfall, but not a uh, not yeah, a downpour. Not a downpour. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So for people who maybe don't know, and I can't imagine anybody in our fandom space doesn't know who you are and what you do. Um, give me a little quick background on what Star Wars thrifting is and what the hell is Into the Garbage Shoot? It's a show that I was on one time, guys. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Star Wars Thrifting. I, I again, it's my, it's my identity at this point. Um, around three, four years ago, I started a little Instagram account, and I just wanted to showcase people kind of what I do and how I build my collection. And it's, you know, I just go out there to the garage sales, the flea markets, the antique stores, and I build my Star Wars collection just just whatever, you know, by secondhand really. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what it's all, what I really do. Um, it's been really, really fun actually to, I didn't really think uh, people would be interested. I was just kind of doing it just for fun. Um, but it's really allowed me to make friends, um, you know, like Rick, including yourself and um, just so many friends, uh, meet so many people in the community um, by my love for collecting uh secondhand star wars collectibles um i didn't you know i never realized it would be you know again people would kind of gravitate towards that um what people really know me for is the uh phantom menace um collector just because yes at the flea markets and garage sales i see tons of phantom menace stuff um so but i important. thought that was all going to be worth millions of dollars i in know that's why nobody would made- be able to afford it that's they made weight so much right um and of course why would they end up at flea markets but yes in 1999 a lot of um, a lot of merchandising for the phantom menace overly i mean yeah again maybe didn't do too so good but um as a product of the a kid during that time um we i'm i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying collecting um toys that i probably um, couldn't get when I was a kid. Now I have my own adult money. So I'm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to complete the whole Phantom Menace, uh, 
merchandise line. I don't think that's possible because um, no. there's so much. But um, but yeah, I have a good time trying on the weekends. So that's what Starpurse Thrifting is all about. I'm just a collector, um, you know, just giving secondhand collectibles a second chance. Um, Toy Story is my favorite, one of my favorite Pixar movies. You know, toys, Makes sense. collectibles, they have, you know, they have feelings too. So let's not toss them away. Um, I like to give them a second home. Um, nice. Into the Garbage Shoot was a fun podcast that uh, me and my friend Riley, we like to, um, you know, I wanted to uh, share my my love for Star Wars more, other than just thrifting. I wanted to talk about like the movies and, you know, the books and um into the garbage chute um, is a famous line from Princess Leia that I feel like is just one of my favorite lines of all time. That's the, you know, that's the time uh, Leia comes in and um, overtakes the situation when um, I think Han and uh, Luke were fumbling a little bit and mm-hmm, uh, she mm-hmm. overtook the situation and, um, you know, let him down a garbage chute. So I would say my podcast is as chaotic as a garbage chute. It's messy. <laughs> there's no structure. We just, you know, we're just two, um, two, uh, women who like to, um, overtake a conversation and, um, chaos ensues. So that's what into the garbage chute is. So that's Star Wars thrifting and into the garbage chute. That's where well, you can find me. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things about the show is that mm-hmm. it's not, and I, I don't mean this as like, anything negative like that it's it's kind of off the rails most of the it time is. it's one of my favorites because <laughs> there's so many podcasts out in the world and i remember even just for myself coming into it like well how do you make yourself sound you know how do you differentiate differentiate yourself from other podcasts and there's lots of sh- shows who do wonderful things with like the news of whatever's going on or you know all kinds of different stuff but some of my favorite shows are just the ones where it's just people talking, having a good time talking about whatever they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, like you guys, like the Sith list or um, when, you know, when there were six guys on the nerd room or whatever, it's just people enjoying, you know, their time talking about the thing. And it's something that Pete and I did with this show. Um, albeit Pete tried to ha- have a lot more structure on this show when it was the two of us together, he used to make up show notes and everything. And um, my show notes are on like, flash paper that like magicians use and it's like yep. i write it down and like phew, the shit's gone it's out the window in a heartbeat so i don't really mess too much with notes um yeah. and i probably should considering we're you know i do more book reviews yeah so i should know more of what i'm talking about but um you're gonna hear me say this in a future episode um i'm a little like cad bane i'm shooting from the hip when i do these things yes I'm like, it's more fun for me just it's to go fun. kind of a stream of consciousness and just let it out um yeah. But guys, if you're not listening to Into the Garbage Shoot, you can find uh, all the episodes where besides podcatchers, you guys got a website or anything? Uh, we don't have a website, but if you check out, um, I have a YouTube channel on Star Wars Thrifting. If you check out that network, um, we will be, we actually started releasing our episodes um, just on YouTube also. Um, but we're on all the um, all the podcasting, um, yeah. The Platforms? Play, yeah, all that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so check us out there. Again, like, honestly, we're just, we record when we want to record. And we just, honestly, I think the, what people say they like about our podcast is just like two girls who are just probably like, after you go see a Star Wars movie, the best part is actually the car ride home when you're just talking about your friend and just, you know, shooting the, shooting the thing, right? And, or going to grabbing a drink after and just, just catching up and talking. So, oh uh, yeah, check us out there. So, 100%. So 100%. I'm loving it. So now 
with everything that's gone on with the rains and all of that stuff, <clears throat> you do seem, at least from what I know of you, to be a little bit rejuvenated. Like you went on a special trip somewhere recently and it's given you a little bit of energy. Um, where did you go that uh, has given you this new life? Um, I want to say I went to, um, well, I just came back from Disneyland and, um, I don't know if I was rejuvenated. Um, <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be rejuvenated. I'm still a little tired from the trip, but I, I get what you're, what you're saying. I, yes, I, I, I just got back from Disneyland. Um, my husband took me, um, for, we went for Valentine's day and, oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, so it was fun. Just can him you take and I. me for my birthday next month? I, right, <laughs> come on, let's go. I kind of <laughs> want to go back. Uh, but yeah, so I just got back from a, a little Disneyland trip. It was cool. We spent one day at a California Adventure. The second day was Disneyland. Um, honestly, I could spend the whole day at Galaxy's Edge. Um, so you know, really a, a good time. Um, so I every time I go to Disneyland, my what I have to do first, no matter what, is Indiana Jones. That's my number one ride. So I get in the park. I, I make a hard left. That's the first ride I get on, no matter what. I did not do that this time around. I went to Rise of the Resistance because mm-hmm. I got there right before. It was uh, the rope drop. So, you know, I, we were in the park and we had to wait till 8 o'clock where they kind of let us have access to the, to the rest of the park. So pretty much like opening, you know, doors haven't opened yet. So... Um, but the, that ride is pretty popular. So I, you know, that was our game plan. We're going to get there early and just like rush to rise of the resistance and do that. It was great. We stood in line for 15 minutes cause we were just, we just ran, ran straight to. Yeah. Because somebody there was like, Hey, yo, Silver's here. <laughs> so we ran, <laughs> ran straight, ran straight to it. Um, and then after, after the ride, it was great. I said, okay, I got to do Indiana Jones, you know? Um, so we went into Indiana, got in line for indiana jones we were in line for like 20 minutes and the adventure started and then um about i don't know 20 seconds in um the ride broke down oh no so we were stuck in the middle of indiana jones um you know the the john williams music just came to halting stop uh the lights (laughs) turned on and man the magic was gone because i saw almost (laughs) i saw the the mechanics of the ride i saw that we were in this dome and i saw almost everything that made the ride like you know possible and i'm just like oh um you know so we were just there for a good 30 minutes it was great and then they finally you know they don't come out in character that they're not wearing like indiana jones cosplay trying to fix Uh, everything with a whip (laughs) <laughs> they, they came out they're all in their costume and the mechanic came and when the mechanic came out he looked like you know just a regular mechanic i'm like oh okay this is, this is not the ride anymore and, like you know, he came to fix it oh it's yeah you. Uh, yeah it's you <laughs> um so yeah we were there for a good 30 minutes and then they finally decided okay you know we're not gonna uh, you know we're we can't can't get fixed right this minute so we gotta you know evacuate you guys and um you know it was really funny to head down the uh <clears throat> through there the the cast member uh walkways where mm-hmm. it looks like just a regular break room so the magic just really just was gone and um, indiana and jones fun. and the coffee break and the off uh, indiana jones and the coffee break um so i was so yeah it was it was it was a fun experience but i will i have to i i'm pretty superstitious and i think the ride broke down is because i didn't do that first i went to rise of the resistance so um, I'm sorry, Indiana Jones, I failed you. 
Don't apologize to him. Apologize to everybody else that was on the ride, Silver. I feel I apologize to the Jeez, nine the wrong people. Person. Yeah. And apologize to that mechanic, too, for being like, oh, man. Oh, I know. I know. I was like, oh, <laughs> can you just fix it so we can go? Yeah, so it was really, it was fun. But yes, I um, that's where I was the last uh, couple of days. And I definitely, um, it was it was a good time. Good well, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be rejuvenated either if I had to fix my own ride that I was on. <laughs> And had to help out. Probably always carry just a random screwdriver in your pocket. Or yeah, something. You never like, I got you it. Never don't know. worry. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, the last time I was in Disneyland um, was um, like forty-two years ago. So my memories mm-hmm. are a little bit hazy. There, there was no Star Wars stuff at uh, Disney last time I was there. One day we'll get back. One day when, um, <clears throat> one day when I sell all of my Star Wars stuff so that I can afford to go to Disney. I'll it's a price. It's a pricey penny. I am just like, wow. We spent how much? Um, yeah, and you live true. there. Well, yeah, I li- I don't. I I know yeah, you're not I, that close, but I mean, you're closer than I'm close enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have to. I can. It's a five hour drive for me, and that's the easy drive. Or, or about a nine hour paddle in a. Yeah, yeah, there you go. In a, in a pottery store arcade, um, <laughs> get you get you there real quick. Yeah, um, yeah, like a. I love I love churros are just my favorite theme park snacks and. They go for about six dollars now, and I'm just like, "What are what? we doing?" Yeah, this is oh just God. a little, little stick with the, uh, with a uh, cinnamon sugar on it. Yeah, six bucks. So that's a, a pricey penny. <clears throat> yeah, I'm bringing my own. Damn that, Mickey. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, I'm, I'm listen. I'm glad you went. Sounds like you had a good time. And uh, like I said, for us. We have other stuff to get excited for besides yes. Disney trips in our possible future. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the only time I'm going to talk about like kind of newsy things because I feel that they're relevant to what we're going to be talking about later on, like the, the actual meat and taters of this episode. But first and foremost, I know a lot of people are really excited for the return, um, but not the finale part of um, the Bad Batch which is uh, as of our recording right now is only a couple of days away. Now for people who listen to the show, they're probably like, Rick, I know we're tired of hearing about how you're not a big fan of the show. And I'm not, I'm just going to be clear about it. But Crosshair is my dude when it comes to this show. He's one of my mains for this show and he's become one of my mains for star Wars kind of overall. Nice. And if the early reviews are to be believed that there's a lot more Crosshair, at least in the first half of the show, that makes me excited because I've felt that Crosshair's story is probably for me, the most compelling Mm -hmm, aspect mm -hmm. of the show. His, um, his emotional journey um, is kind of what's keeping me along. And um, I am excited to see how the show wraps up. And if star Wars animation has taught us anything, it's that, where we felt there might have been filler or inconsequential things early on, they will find a way to interweave them into the ends of these stories. So I'm kind of looking forward to that for the Bad Batch. Um, but where do you sit with this show? I know you guys talked about it quite a bit on Into the Garbage Shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you guys are fans, but um, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what's your feeling coming into the last season here? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for uh, more Bad Batch. I'm just dreading that there's a series finale and I'm very scared for all these characters. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not looking forward to it. If that makes any sense. I, yeah, I get you. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I honestly, I'm excited. I, I got to really 
you know, really enjoy these characters. But I mean, like you said, I think Crosshair is a phenomenal character. And I really, I mean, just everything that his, you know, journey has been through, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where, where it goes. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it uh, really. And um, yeah, we, I know we cover, we cover the episodes on, on my podcast. Um, Riley and I were just such huge. Riley is just a clones girl. She just loves clones in general. So she's mm-hmm. a, she's just such a, a big um, a clones, you know, she loves, all the clones pretty much but um i've gone to really you know get to know more about like the story and stuff like that but um but yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it but i'm dreading it <laughs> it's 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 a weird position to be in um i'm almost don't want it i almost don't even i i like to be in this part of it where i'm just anticipating it but i again i i'm going to be sad when it's over um because i just don't see I don't see a happy ending at all. I, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to be dreading it. Yeah, I, I think you and a lot of people share the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be bittersweet sweet for me only because it's a Star Wars thing that's ending. And yeah. I guess, you know, I, the show hasn't really hit with me mm-hmm. the same way that it has with a lot of people. But the what you know, the one thing I don't want to do is ever take anybody's enjoyment away from the thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, everybody's got their fandoms. Everybody's got their thing. Mm -hmm. And this is just one that hasn't really landed for me the same way it has for other people. But, and I said this coming into season two, that I'm still rooting for it. I want this Mm -hmm. show to hit me the same way that it does with everybody else. Like, I almost feel like I'm missing out. It's like, what, what is it that I'm not getting from the show that everybody Mm -hmm. else is getting? And one of the things, you know, this the people who play JT Bingo at home, you can cross this off your card. I mean, like everything is about perspectives and what I want this show to be now. So I don't know what it is about my own personal perspective that has not allowed me to get attached to the entire group of characters in this show. Mm-hmm. And there's been some fantastic, some of the best Star Wars stel- uh, storytelling in this series, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, those episodes have been primarily the crosshair episodes. When I think about oh, yeah. the outpost in season two. So good. Um, that's like, that was an episode that I watched a couple of times back to back because it was so heavy. It was so rife with emotion and feeling crosshairs, the weight of literally the weight he was carrying around with the other clone, but like the emotional weight that he was carrying for the loss of his brothers, at least in his own eyes and what it was that he gave up to that point that he had to reclaim in killing, uh, was it Lieutenant Nolan? I think was his name. Mm -hmm. Um, who deserved every ounce of getting shot in the face. Let me tell, let me tell you a satisfying kill with star Wars. I was just like, wow, that was good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and and for me, in I, I don't I don't Blood need lust. every episode of yeah right. I don't I don't need every episode <laughs> of the it. thing to be that. I don't need it to be that. But it was so cathartic to get to the end of that episode and feel like I said the emotional weight of what Crosshair had been carrying, um, mm-hmm. and what he was trying to, you know, for lack of a better term, unload. You know what I mean? He was he he <laughs> he he put that all on himself by walking Mm -hmm. away from the rest of the group. And um, with his 
I don't know if capture is the right word, but his detention now coming into season three and whatever his relationship is going to be with Omega, Omega. Mm-hmm. like that's what I'm looking forward to. He's got a, he's come to this crisis of conscious already. Mm-hmm. And there was that clip that was released on Rotten Tomatoes, I think a week or two ago where he's having a conversation with Omega and he's still at a point where he's, purposely withdrawing himself emotionally from that connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as much as Omega is going to be the key for that, I think the connection that he needs to reestablish is the one between him and his brothers. Yeah. Not necessarily her Mm -hmm. because he's had a longer relationship with them. And I think Mm -hmm. she'll be the catalyst of all of that. But like I said, I think his, his emotional reclamation is going to be with the bonds he had with the rest of the guys. Um, And then at what point during the show, if he doesn't know it prior to the premiere, and again, we're saying this as people who, who have not seen any screeners mm-hmm. or anything, mm-hmm. but so some people will know the answer to this, but at what point and will we see when he finds out that tech fell? I know. You know, that's going to be yeah. another hard pill to swallow, um, uh, let alone just for him, but I think for the viewers to have to, try, you know, to relive that moment to again. To relive and, that moment. Yeah. And I yeah. hope, I hope tech is the only brother, you know, he'll be able to miss the opportunity to have any reconciliation with, um, because, uh, that would just be too much for crosshair if, you know, he didn't, <clears throat> he wasn't able to, you know, have that with uh, wrecker or, um, or Hunter. So I'm, yeah, yeah that's going to be really interesting, but yeah, I think a lot of the crosshair stuff, I mean, every bit of crosshair story has been, um, the highlight, um, also for me in the show. Um, and you know what the, the last two seasons, I, I, you know, I, I, I say the word, you know, filler episodes and I don't mean that, you know, I know that I can come a lot with like, you know, like negative, um, you know, meaning behind it, but Mm -hmm. it's, um, I, I, that's what I think this, I think this season is not going to have much of, I think almost like, I feel like every episode is going to count. I feel like it's going to feel heavy. I feel like it might even feel like clone war. It's just going to feel like just clone war season seven, where I feel like almost every episode there's like dread and there's weight behind it. Um, But what I really look forward, I I'm excited for emperor um, to see emperor Palpatine and all of it too. Also Um, I think what really, Again, when Bad Batch was announced that it was going to be a show, it wasn't like a thing that I was like, oh, cool. This is what I've been waiting for because that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, you know, even like when I saw their arc in Clone Wars season seven, it's like, OK, they're cool. But it wasn't like, oh, hmm, all right. Well, I didn't really oh, I guess. Sure. Why not? Um, but um, it's been a really cool time to kind of really like, you know, see like as far as like especially like the transition part of phasing out these clones and bringing in, um, yeah, the the troopers. So it's it's just mm-hmm. been a really really cool, and how they were able to handle it, and how to see, you know, kind of like, you know, what what you know, how how did they phase these clones out? And um, so I always thought that was really an exciting uh, area to be in. So again, I'm really excited. It looks like uh, the emperor might have some some big parts in in the season, um, and I'm you know that's kind of that's really really exciting for me. Yeah, there, there's a lot uh, potentially that could come out of the season. Um, but for me, like, again, like the characters that I haven't really connected with, it makes yeah. me, and, and I hadn't really thought about this until now, but like, why not have the show 
or the story be centered around, you know, Rex and Wolf and mm, Gregor, mm-hmm. who we saw in Rebels, yeah. as opposed to these characters. And and I'm not trying to write off the batch as characters, but I just kind of wonder why they went this direction. I, I mean, it's inconsequential, but it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those what if scenarios. Um, and with everything that we've said over the Bad Batch over the last few minutes, we didn't even mention Ventress. Oh, I know. That's gonna that's so insane. I mean I yeah. I'm in the middle what? of I'm in the middle of Dark Disciples first read. I've never read the book, but oh, okay, I'm cool, literally cool. I'm in the middle of it because I got on that hype train. I got on that train just like everyone flipping out. Um I didn't realize how much I missed Assange Ventress until I heard that voice in the trailer. And yep. I just like I, it blew my mind. I know, like, but I I know the story of Dark Disciple as far as like I know like the can like the impacts of that book and yeah. you know where as far as like canon what what happened. So I know I already I knew of it already. If um, but I was just like, oh my gosh, that that is that was just too much, too much, too much, too much for me to even bear. So yeah, well, I I had to pick up the book. I <clears throat> I went. Um, it's crazy because. Dark Disciple, the hardcover on eBay or like Mercari or any like secondhand website is pretty pricey. It's insane. Yeah. So I think everyone's on that board, you know, on that train also. Um, so even like getting a paperback on Amazon was going to take like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So I had to drive. I had to go on Barnes and Noble. There was one paperback 40 minutes away and I had to drive to go pick it up because I was like, I, I I need to read this book as well. I could have done it online. You know, I could have easily. The I, like to, I, like, I like to pick up. I like to hold the book. And, Girl, I'm the same. I'm the yeah. same. I, I like physical books. But yeah, listen, there there's a part of me that people who follow me online and stuff, there it is. Beautiful book. I love that cover there. Her hair. like sheesh. So cool. There, there, well, real quick, in the beginning of the book, like Obi-Wan's talking to Qui-Gon about mm-hmm. Ventress. And he's mm-hmm. basically like, hey, man, be careful. She's real hot without saying she's real hot. And I'm like, <laughs> Obi-Wan, he knows what's it. up. I um, love it. But people who follow me, they know me well enough that, you know, hashtag hardcover army is a thing with that I started with my own book collecting. Um, I'm not going to the thrift stores or on the weekends or nothing. So we're going <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, so I'm, I feel kind of grateful at this point with, with where I'm at with book collecting that I started it long ago enough. Cool. That I kind of skirted a lot of the heftier prices of some books. Mm-hmm. And I remember I did the audio book for Dark Disciple a long time ago. So that was my first experience with it. And I remember where nice. I was when I got to the end of the book. I was working at this job site about an hour north of Chicago. And being full of men and maybe a few women on this construction site, like, oh, what happened? <laughs> and just like, there was a lot to take in. Um, and so I did I did a reread and I, I finished it last week um, nice. or maybe about a week and a half ago. And, and it's, it's not a very long book by Star Wars yeah. book standards and it flies by pretty quick. Um, and it was nice to have the refreshers of some of the, again, most of us know the broad strokes of the book, but to, mm-hmm. to pick up on some of the specifics of like Ventress's nickname for Quinlan is she just calls him an idiot for most of the book. Um and like he called, he only calls her Asajj, I think like three times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this, in, like, I don't know. It's a weird, it's, there's some like sexy bits without being sexy bits in that book. Like, oh, I love it. Um, 
I, I, I don't want to say much because I don't know where exactly where you where you are in the book. This but this book is um, thirsty. I love it. Oh, that book is <laughs> gulping up gallons yeah, of like I know. <laughs> night sister pool water on Dathomir thirsty. Yeah. That's how thirsty that book thirsty, is. Thirsty this book. Um, but when you're done, let me know, um, because cool. that, that book, it, it does pack a punch and it was fun to revisit it last week. Um, but moving on from books, um, we're going to get into some high Republic stuff because nice. we've been gabbing for the half an hour. Did you happen to see the cover reveal for temptation of the force the other day? I did. And mind you, I was at Disneyland on Valentine's day. So it took me a while to catch up on social media <clears throat> and ho. Oh, it yep. looks thirsty. <laughs> yep. Speaking of thirsty. Um, yes. And I cannot wait. I'm excited. I am so excited. Um, I cannot wait for this book. The cover looks insane. Um, just, I read, you know, what's going to be going down. And that is just enough for me to be just really, uh, yeah, I really can't wait. Yeah. So for people who don't know, as, um, Silver, you need to mop off the sweat there. Now give you a second to breathe. Um, (laughs) um, So the cover of the book has Avar Chris and Elzar Man. Yes. And now uh, for most, I I also just finished a reread of Light of the Jedi uh, just yesterday as we're recording. I just finished that. And Elzar Man in most of phase one does not have a beard. And after uh, Starlight Falls in the year in between, he kind of grows a beard and he's kind of like, it's not because Stellan Geos had a beard, RIP. Um, spoiler, sorry. Um, but he just kind of like lets himself go a little bit. And so now he's bearded on the cover with Avar Chris. And for folks who read um, The Eye of Darkness, did you read The Eye of Darkness? I did read The Eye of Darkness. And okay. that's what I'm so like, the ending just got me like, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> at the, end, the end of the book, there's a moment between the two of them. And I won't yes. say anything about specifics for anybody who hasn't read it. Mm-hmm. But um, that um, on the surface, it says one thing, but I think underlyingly, there's this other stronger message of hope and hopefulness mm-hmm. um, that both of these characters had broken away from. Um, between phases one and three now. And um, <clears throat> the artwork is done by Grant Griffin, who did the art for the Eye of Darkness. And he did, I think, the cover art for the Art of the High Republic book. And I think uh, Grant also did a lot of the artwork for like the Myths and Fables books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you can be, uh, if you're familiar with that art style. The background of it with this kind of like half sky, like half night, half day thing. Um, he says in, in an interview with StarWars.com that it was intentional. That to me, it almost looks like it's one of those like half glass, half full, half empty kind of things where it's like, is the light overtaking the dark? Is the dark enveloping the light? Is there balance between the two? And again, for book readers like Elzar Mann in phase one touches the darkness a couple of times um, in uh, The Rising Storm and um, The Fallen Star. Mm -hmm. So their character dynamic to me is pretty special. And it's stated uh, both in the synopsis for the book of Temptation of the Force and uh, very plainly in Light of the Jedi that as Jedi, they are stronger together. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people look at that romantically, how it's listed in the synopsis. And that is very much the case Um, between those two and Stellan Geos. They were knocking boots in the Jedi temple. Yep. Like it was going out of style, right? You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> there's holodramas about the three of them. And um, 
But as far as their bonds as Jedi, it is very explicitly stated in Light of the Jedi that they are stronger together because they came up together. They have mm-hmm. uh, this this unit, and it says a lot about the Jedi of the time not being so rigid about the idea of attachment and mm-hmm. attachment not being purely relationships in a mm-hmm. romantic sense, um, but how we express um, compassion and empathy towards one another. And I think thematically, that's something that's going to be really strong between those two characters going into the rest of the phase uh, Phase three, is that their compassion and empathy, not just for each other and their bonds, but for wanting to save something bigger than themselves instead of mm-hmm. the fighting what we hate theme um, will be one of those things that uh, drives the narrative of the back half of phase three. That's my feeling. And if any of the phase three authors want to send me a message, just say like, Hey man, you nailed it. Just don't tell anybody. I would be more <laughs> than receptive to those messages. Cause uh, <laughs> the high Republic has been something really, really special the it last has. couple of years. And um, we're like, where does it rate for you? Just like overall to having like just literary star Wars be this complete era unto itself. I love it. Um, it just reminds me, I, I don't know. I just love that we have, that we're able to just be in this era of just like, just getting all these stories that, you know, and all these brand new characters that we've never, you know, that and it, it's just so far separated from storylines and timelines that we know and are familiar with, but it's just, just a rich um, time period to, to be a part of and um, to have, I, Listen, I love Star Wars, but I, I think Jedi are just my favorite part of Star Wars. I mm-hmm. think that's what I what I love about it. That's just always resonated me resonated to me as a kid. Um, you know, being a Jedi, going on these adventures and stuff like that. And we got glimpses of it in like the prequels, but you know, just to be in this era where there's um all these Jedi in a you know, a time where that's where they were like the height, but they're facing so much like adversity um with with the Nile and stuff it's just really really fun and it just has so many and just room for just so many different stories I mean we're getting comics we're getting novels we're getting middle you know middle grade books and it's just really fun to be a part of and um you know even though there's comics that are geared towards kids or there's books that are geared towards kids like it's fun for me as a a fan of this era to kind of like you know, trying to get as much stories um, from this as I can, but it's been, it's been really fun, honestly. Um, and it's, I like, I knew it was going to do good, but I, it, it's just really fun to see just how like f- successful it's been. Um, and it's just, it's just a fun place to be in as a, as a star Wars fan. Um, and I'm just, I'm just loving, loving it every, every minute of it. It's really, it's really fun. It seems one of the few places in fandom where the discourse yes. does not make its way in. And it like the, the people who want to say negative things about these books clearly haven't read them. Um, and I mean, there's things like criticisms. There, there are books mm-hmm. that have not landed with me as much mm-hmm. as other ones. And that's fair. And that's to be expected when there's so yeah. many books in this initiative. But when you hear people say things like, well, he's just a stupid rock. Mm-hmm. Listen, read the book and you'll understand why it's fun and funny for that character to be yeah. there. Um, so I'm grateful to that aspect of it. The other thing is, 
getting to see the level of people's imagination and creativity when it comes to like cosplaying and creating things of this era that yeah. a lot of times we don't have a, vis- a visual representation of um, with costumes early on or lightsabers or you know, things like that and making them tangible at cons and stuff like that blows my mind. Um, the way people can do that. Like, uh, like when Sal Perales is out there studying old rebels clips. (laughs) Um, I saw that, uh, we're like in the 10 year anniversary year of rebels and that he was make, he made Kanan's outfit from the intro video on YouTube where he was like freeze frame and stuff. Um, back in the day, Speaking of Sal, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, um, the uh, latest episode of Rogue Rebels Pod, um, I was on. And, uh, nice. We talked, yeah, we, we, we talked about um, um, Quest for Planet X and uh, Tales of Light and Life. And uh, for anybody who hasn't couldn't tell if you listened to it, we recorded that a while ago. And uh, Sal said, I'm going to record this. I'm going to bank it. And uh, he opened up the vaults the other day, and I'm, I'm glad because we had a good time recording it. Again, uh, it was a while ago. So if you want to get some chatter on uh, two other High Republic books, and especially for folks maybe who didn't have the time to read um, Tales of Light and Life, mm-hmm. we give kind of little synopses of each of those stories. So if you nice. want to just kind of go through uh, some of those bits right there. But uh, Sal, a cool guy. Yeah. Sal is one of my favorite people. I'm glad yep. we've um, as, like been able to establish a friendship in the last year, year and a half or so. Um, he's one of my favorite people and he's him and his family have kind of fallen on a little bit of a hard time recently. Um, so I just want to send out all my love to him and his family mm-hmm. and, uh, go listen to the Rogue rebels Sal and his family do some amazing stuff there. And like yeah. all the old cosplay stuff when his kids are coming up, sh- I mean, come on, man. I wish I had time to do that kind of shit. Sal, so come on cool. over, build, build me, build me a Mieber Gascon life-size <laughs> cosplay suit. Cause I'll fit in it. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go uh, away from that. And um, let's talk about Escape from Valo because that's what I asked you to do in the first place. Now we're <laughs> 40 minutes into this thing and we're, that's the first time I've mentioned it. So real quick, Escape from Valo came out uh, January 30th of this year. It was published by Disney Lucasfilm Press. And um, right off the hop, this is one of my favorite middle grade books mm-hmm. of all of the High Republic. Um, I love this book. Uh, just to give you a real quick um, rundown of what the book is about. It takes place on Valo about a year mm-hmm. after the fall of Starlight Beacon. It is overrun by Nile. The Nile that are there are planning the the Dark Fair, which is kind of like the antithesis of the Republic um, Fair. The Republic Fair, thank you, from uh, the Rising Storm, mm-hmm. uh, as a way to kind of show their loyalty to Martian Rowe and say like, hey, man, we got this and you can move the party over here to Valo because we're about to get hyped out here. But in the shadows, there's a character who calls himself the Scarlet Skull. The Scarlet Skull. And he comes up in his black cape. And the first <laughs> time I read the beginning, and we're still in the kind of talking about this book, it reminded me of the end of um, The Princess Bride when Andre the Giant puts on the cape and he's like <laughs> got this deep voice. and But then he's got this red lightsaber blade with just a filter on it. And He's like running amok of all the plans of the Nile at the time and comes to find out that there are three other Jedi younglings there who are inspired by the Scarlet Skull and want to help. But up to this point, um, the identity of the Scarlet Skull is not revealed until like the next page of the book. (laughs) It's very early on. So that's the basic rundown of the lead up of the book in and of itself. Um, 
I already said how much I love this book. And for people who listen to my spoiler pre-review, um, you know my feelings on this thing. But we're going to talk spoilers um, from here on out. So if you haven't read it and you haven't read or listened to the spoiler free, you can go back a couple episodes, listen to that. Um, but from here on out, we're going to talk spoilers. Silver, what do you think about this book? I loved it. Um, I agree with you. I think this is probably my favorite middle grade, uh, middle school book. Um, and I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, it was a quick read for me just because of how, you know, yeah, easy read, but just a really fun, fun story. Um, that's what I always look for with these uh, middle grade, uh, middle school books. The grade books is because, um, you know, they're geared for kids, but they're also geared for everybody because you're going to get some little fun adventure. Um, and of course, um, yeah, I, I, I just had a good time. It was, um, just really, really fun. Um, and you know, I really, really enjoyed it. I got to really fall in love with a lot of, a lot of the characters too. So one, I have one favorite character already in the high Republic. I'm glad to see that um, this character returned. And um, yeah, so we uh, I had a good time for sure. Now, listen, I know you're talking about my nephew. Yes. Ramiro. My <laughs> nephew, Ramiro. Right? We my end favorite. Up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So full disclosure here, um, for people who li- maybe listen to this show but don't listen to Into the Garbage Shoot, when Midnight Horizon came out, Mm-hmm. Uh, Silver and I both had review copies of that book ahead of time. And Silver was kind enough to invite me on the show to talk about the book once we finished it. And that book, I think, was the second or third appearance of Ram Jamaram, or my nephew Ramiro, um, as I call him. He's like, I, I mean, he I say that in jest, but I'm just like, he just seems like the Mexican yeah. mechanic down the street yeah. who just happens to have force powers. Yeah. Um, and yes. uh, not to mention... He is. I mean, he kind of looks like he's like a little Puerto Rican. He, he is. Friend. He is. You know? he's, he's he's one of he's he's a cousin. You know, he's one of yep. he's a he's a family member. He's yeah. definitely everyone has one of, in um, the um, Latin community. You definitely everyone has a ram in their family. Yep. So, Always got dirty yeah. fingernails, no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just <clears throat> tinkering away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I was glad to see him come back in this book. Um, he really made an impression on me in, um, was it the Race to Crash Point Race to Power? Crash Point, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in Midnight Horizon, mm-hmm. um, really, really, really quick connection between that book and this one, and why I wanted you to have, have you come on the show for this one, is the Scarlet Skull connection um, from yeah. Midnight Horizon. Um, there's a group that existed prior to uh, phase one of the high Republic called the Scarlet Skulls. And what they did were they were like these assassins, they were all young and they were silent, but they weren't so much silent. They cut their tongues out so that they wouldn't yeah. make any noise and they wore <laughs> red and black all the time. And so they infiltrate this party uh, under the guise of the Scarlet Skulls on Corellia, um, this Nile themed party that turns out to be an actual Nile kind of invasion thing that happens at the same time that um, Starlight Beacon falls. Um, and, uh, hilarity ensues between him and I think Reed Silas, um, and a few of the other characters. I, I mean, it's scary as shit, but it's still funny between them because yeah. they're like trying to navigate the waters as these, um, like ninja vigilante Star Wars people. Um, so, but he's using the Scarlet Skull as his like Batman alias to go around thwarting <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the plans of the Nile. Um, 
So, but then we meet the three younglings in mm-hmm. uh, Gavi, Tap-Tap, and Kildo. And um, Kildo and Tap-Tap are um, a Sadian. I always forget the name of the species. They're like these bird-like kind of people. Bird-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kildo's a little bit older. Um, Tap-Tap is um, just adorable. Um, I love Tap-Tap. And then Gavi's the youngest of the three. I believe he's maybe 12 in this book. And mm-hmm. you come to find out with Gavi, he's been through some things. Um, yeah, and, that and so sweet so baby. much so, it's 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 affected his connection to the Force. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, I want to ask you this: being that this is a middle grade book, where the intended audience is probably between eight and twelve years old, were you just as shook as I was to find out the truth? of what it is that he's been through and then what happens to him later on thematically, because to me it felt really heavy for a young reader, a younger reader book. I was surprised. I was like, at first it felt, yeah, it just felt like a young adult novel at some time, at some point. So I was like, Oh, this is, we're getting, we're getting pretty heavy. Yeah. I did not expect, um, you know, when they were talking about, um, you know, we found out why he lost the connection to the force and just kind of everything that, um, been through gabby's been through um and like how like gabby was able to like just struggle and like lose connection to the force because of just how like traumatic his experience has been and it's mm-hmm. it's really sad and he's you know you think about it, they're 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 younglings they're children and um it, it's it's it was it was pretty heavy i i for me like i gabby is just the the character that i just feel felt for the most in in this book and everything you know from gabi losing his master was just like oh just too too much for me and yeah they they go into detail too so i was i was shook (laughs) yeah he and gabi also puts an unnecessary amount of responsibility on himself Mm -hmm. um so story details here the reason why he was kind of lost his ability with the force, not so much his ability, but his, his deep connection with the force is that he saw his master killed at the hands of one of the nameless. And um, he was hiding when it happened. And so he saw his master turning to stone Mm -hmm. and, or yeah, being husked. And uh, his master looked directly at him when it happened. It was, you know, the eyes are the last thing to go when it's husked. Um, And that image stuck with him. And, it was that fear that he felt in the moment that lives with him. Mm-hmm. And that fear became his, the thing that separated him um, from the force. Um, and so whenever he felt the call to use the force, that's the first thing that came up for him. And it hampered his abilities to really help out um, the other kids. Um, and then to find out that he had an escape shuttle mm-hmm. that he knew could not fit all of them everyone on, mm-hmm. if they tried to leave so he was putting the pressure on himself to make a decision as to who he would take with him um early on because he figured he could only fit one other person mm-hmm. and he thought tap tap because reasons and then he thought Kildo because reasons and then he thought ram for reasons and nothing ever worked out for him um nothing felt right and there's a certain level of selfishness there because at least early on because he was always one of the people he was going to let out um or you know try to leave um but with all of that we see ram go to the damaged jedi temple on velo yeah and his master is still there master kunpar Mm -hmm. um and master kunpar is a delight 
like the Nile kind of find out that something's going on there, but they don't know that he's force sensitive. So they literally come knocking on the door like, hey, yo, man, there's Jedi stuff in here. And um, we think that uh, there's something shady going on here. And he's like, I'm just a kindly old man who doesn't know nothing from nothing. <laughs> just walking with McCain, being an old yeah. man, doing old man stuff. And then like Hawks Loogie on the floor. Yeah. And they're like, no, we, we're on to you, old man. And he's like, nope. And then they arrest him. And the younglings come to Ram and they say, we can't let them do that. He's the master and we need you guys because yeah. we don't know how to cook food for ourselves. Aww. Even though they've lived in the woods for like a year. Yeah, even. they live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they take Master Kunpar, find out that uh, they survived out in the woods because they were told to go out that way. And uh, as of late, they lived under the zoo yeah. um, on Valo, which was really cool because Tep-Tep, much like Ezra, has a really cool connection to connection. animals. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty adorable because she's all like, don't worry about this Rancor. He's super sweet. Watch, I'll put my head in its mouth. And yeah. there's no there's no Rancors in this book, but she's like the you know, the creatures from Attack of the Clones, I yeah. think are some of the zoo the, animals and the yeah, the Le- Nexu, the Nexu, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think and even she like, has a she has a little toy of it too. It's pretty yeah, cute. Yeah. She's like, they're super sweet. Watch. Yeah. And she just like blows out a kiss. And it's like, me and the once yeah. belly scratches and stuff. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the Niles show up and it's just like Jurassic yeah. Park's one dude like in half. And um, <laughs> the 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 tonal shifts of like the humor of those moments and like the violence of those moments mm-hmm. um, was like, on the one hand, like, again, considering who the audience is, like, well, you can't just have it be like, and then it shredded him in half and gnashing his <laughs> teeth back and forth. It's like, no, it took care of the dude. And I have to compliment Daniel Jose Older and Alyssa Wong for not shying away from those kinds of things in this book, even thematically the heavier stuff, and presenting those things in a way that a younger reader wouldn't be scared of. Mm-hmm. or wouldn't be able to process, especially the thematic stuff with mm-hmm. Gavi and his fears mm-hmm. and what we find out a little bit later on in the book with um, a relationship um, that he is longing for. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but, and I, I think that's one of my favorite things of the middle grade books. Just I think just in general for Star Wars is how these authors find a way to present specifics in universal themes. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking with Marco Shiro last year um, about that. And, you know, they said that these are things that people experience at different yeah. points of their lives. So we, we make friends as kids or we have coworkers that we have to um, share space with as adults. Yeah. So belonging and trying to fit in and form relationships are very universal things but to present them in very specific ways to these characters and make them still feel unique, I think is a very special gift. I think that writers and storytellers have when they come to, you know, presenting these stories as us to make them entertaining and not feel like we're being lectured to, especially for younger kids. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I have to take a drink. I just did a lot of talking here. Yeah, for sure. I really, yeah. And I think um, what's, that's, what's really, you know, it's, it's, it's speaking to younger readers, but it's also, you know, you, ha- it's giving them, yeah. I mean, cause like you said, like everyone, 
there's themes that, you know, everyone can relate to. I mean, I'm 35 years old and I was able to relate to everything these kids were going through, um, you know, and yeah. And, and there's a lot of like friendships forming in this book and um, kind of like how they, you know, manage with that. And um, also like the sense of responsibility, um, like I'm talking like, like I think about Ram who just like had to completely just be like, well, and Ram from we've, what we've known is not, he's more of like the background wants to like tinker with this stuff. And like, you know, that's how he contributes to a team, but like to really like, be forced into a position where he has to really care for these kids. And Ram is not an adult yet. <laughs> and nope. for Ram Barely to kind of like, I think right yeah. Now. So Ram for, to have to take, um, you know, to really put that on himself to be like, I got to really take care of these kids. Um, you know, they're not Padawans they're younglings. And that's even like, he just almost couldn't believe that he was, you know, in that position and um, to kind of see him really grow and, um, you know, sometimes that's just, sometimes you're forced to kind of grow at a, you know, and just do things that are probably out of your comfort zone and for him to kind of really step up and really like be in charge and, you know, looking after them, um, was a really, really, really cool to see, especially for someone who I, I mean, I loved Ramps at the beginning, but for him to kind of take like that older brother, um, you know, role was really, really, really cool to to, to see um but i think yeah i think this book does a really good job um uh um you know showcasing um like you know like like these themes and stuff so i think it's i think it's really cool um i yeah even though like i feel like out of all the younglings i think um gabby got the most you know who were he was able you know there was a lot of like i feel like character development and arcs and obviously they spent mm -hmm. a lot of time on gabby's story um where the other two, I feel like, you know, they didn't get as much uh, time to shine. And maybe, you know, we'll see that later on in stories and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure, like, Gavi and Ram were, like, big standouts for me. Yeah, th this whole book speaks to this, like, children of trauma yeah. kind of theme. I mean, all of them have it. And you think about, you know, say you know, terrible things happen where a parent passes away, unfortunately, and an older sibling has to then take on a somewhat parental role mm -hmm. on a younger one um, mm -hmm. for a multitude of different reasons. And to see, <coughs> excuse me, to see Ram in his book kind of wrestle with the idea of what his title is in relation to these other kids. Yeah. Because he's not a master. Mm -hmm. He's, he's a Padawan himself. Um, took it upon himself to go back to Valo, um, which is his home planet, um, and you know, put this on himself to try to do something better for the people there, only to find it completely overrun with the Nile once the occlusion zone is set up and the storm walls and all of that. But we see him at different points of this book saying things where he's stopping himself because he wants to say, you guys are my kids. Yeah. And he he hesitates to do that because a it shows attachment attachment and some kind of parental almost ownership of them and responsibility in the attachment side of it um having like full disclosure having finished defy the storm there's a passage in that book that speaks directly to the idea of attachments and it 
I think going forward with the phase, we'll see this idea of what attachments are at this time and how it eventually is going to end up in the prequel era, um, where the idea of attachment is like, nope, we don't even use that word. You know what I mean? Like it, it's so bad. And again, what I was saying earlier with Avar and Elzar, attachment to these people at this time is more about their compassion and their empathy as opposed to, you know, you belong to me or, you know, wanting to save people for selfish reasons, you know, you know, asterisk, see the, you know, the revenge of the Sith, if you want to know how that goes. So um, for him to kind of struggle with the idea of having to be older um, because like I said, master Kunpar is, is essentially arrested at a time and he's got to like cook them food and make sure they're wearing clean chonies and stuff. Like <laughs> these kids are like, they've been fending for themselves and uh, come to find out that they've done very well by themselves given yeah. the circumstances, but they don't have the proper guidance that they need to make the next step for themselves. Mm-hmm. And even Ram barely has that. Um, at this stage so it was really fascinating for all of all of that um, to come up then the blender of all of these characters there's this pirate kid (laughs) that comes in right um and they are i don't i'm stupid me i didn't write down their name um zile zile thank you so much i'm like no i gotta thumb through the book and find it zile is like zile is like if dr afra had a nephew but like 200 years prior yeah. You know what I mean? Zyle is such a wild card um, in this book. And I love them for it. They're they're the child of a pirate who's got connections yeah. to Maz Kanata and the phase two crew with uh, Therm Scissor Punch and mm-hmm. um, all, all of those people. So those connections were great. But then to find out what it is that uh, Zyle wants to do on Valo, because they go there trying to make a name for themselves and come to find out and this is like the big bulk plot of the story is that there's Bacta at the bottom mm-hmm. of the lake mm-hmm. um in Lanus's city that crashed there when the Republic Fair happened and lots of people want this Bacta except for dun 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 the main villain of this book doesn't want the Bacta he <laughs> wants some like cosmetic cream because anti-aging cream <laughs> this, yes this anti-aging cream that the celebrities on these on the hollow net used to like hide their wrinkles, their oil of Olay cream. That I they love have. it. Um, but he wants it for nefarious reasons. His name is Niv Drendal, and Niv, Niv Drendal is on he's a bit of a piece of shit. Yeah. And to he, say the least. Yes, he wants this cream because it has regenerative properties to bring back the restorative glow of his little baby nameless pet that he carries around with him. Like it's a kitten, uh, which sounds sweet as shit until it eats the life force from your soul. Silver. Yeah. You gotta watch how they look cute, but they will rip your face off. And I eat forget what's the name. They even has a name for the nameless. And it's so like, I got it. I, yeah, I know it's a force sucker. It's a force eater, but Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a little pet. So even one was- that'll, to drink your soul one that will that will you know yeah right your don't 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 piss me off because <laughs> you know my my little pet here will suck the force out of you yeah oh, um, <laughs> oh, well, I'll to the force not anymore get him yeah <laughs> um yeah it's um yeah i was really yeah i think xyle is a pretty big standout for me um i love a pirate 
Um, pirates are so much fun in Star Wars. And, um, you know, Zyle just wants to, they just want to prove that they could be a pirate. And that, mm-hmm. you know, has a mom who's just like, you're just too young. Just listen to what I got to tell you. And, um, you know, Zyle just, I, I don't know. I just had a great time with Zyle. I think uh, Zyle heard stories of their grandmother who acts, you know, who, you know, uh, who we learned in phase two and um, just has these big dreams. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was really, really, really fun. For yeah, sure. Zyle's, Zyle's interaction with the rest of them <clears throat> where Ram is like, I'm responsible for these kids. And Zyle's yeah. like, where can I sharpen my knives to kill people? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that, that dynamic was really cool where it's like, you have Zyle's chaotic nature and Ram trying to like keep order mm-hmm. and make sure everybody stays alive. Um, but to find this, this really beneficial relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. and how Zyle uh, really comes to help out later on. So again, they're trying to find this back up, right? Um, the, there's all of these things that come together at this point. They're looking for the Bacta because they think it can help people um, yes. just in general. Because it's a very new thing that was discovered on Hetzal, I believe, just prior mm-hmm. to phase one, if I remember Light of the Jedi yeah. correctly. And <clears throat> it's this new miracle drug that can help people out. Then you have the escape pod that Gavi has that they can potentially use to leave Valo and get themselves safe. But there's parts on the ship underwater um, that they can then use to possibly get that together. But then that turns out to not be the case. And they use Zyle's crashed um, shuttle, mm-hmm. which they're kind of like, why didn't you tell us you had this thing on the outskirts anyway? <laughs> and he was like, I crashed it. Yeah. It's broken. It's broken. And they, the whole like trip of them going to get it and enter one of the other villains, which is very much earlier in the book, but a character by the name of Drigget Parse, mm-hmm. who is a young girl on Valo, who we find out later on was very good friends with Gavi. While Gavi was at the temple, the temple on Valo, <clears throat> um, Gavi and, and Drigget became good friends. And it turned out because of their ages and that they looked enough alike each other that they would kind of pull pranks um, and dress Switch. in each yeah, switch mm-hmm. clothes and switch personalities and stuff. So Gavi and the kids go to Drigget's mom and ask to basically use uh, their Toyota pickup truck to go get the shuttle. And she's like, listen, I'll only let you do it like if you're like her, because they're not going to believe that it's anybody else driving this thing. Like I have her clothes and you can dress up as her and nobody will be the wiser. And that's the plan they come up with. And then they go get the thing. And Zyle's like, guys, I tried to tell you, I didn't land it. I crashed it. And Ram, <laughs> Ram gives it the one over with the force. And he's like, no, this is perfect. I have yeah. everything I need right here. Let's just haul the whole thing out of here. We'll fix it up. We can fix up the shuttle you have, Gavi, because they find out about all that. And, um, oh no, they, they use it for Ram's, drill ship and that's what they're mm-hmm. going to use to get to the ship at the bottom of Lana City. Okay, my facts mixed up, guys. I've only read this book twice now. Um, <laughs> so that's the whole plan is to get down there, get the Bacta, um, try to help some people and uh, eventually get the ship back in working order so that they can then leave Valo and get out of the, the grasp of the Nile. But our villains um, have other ideas where 
the Nile themselves that are there um, want the backed up for another reason. But then we, again, Niv Drendel wants this uh, anti-aging cream to help the nameless, which is like slowly decaying throughout the course of the book where like, it's almost like, I don't know if you remember the old Gumby claymations, but there were like, <laughs> like little drippy characters on that sometimes. Um, there's, he's just like melting away. Little globs of him are falling off, off the little nameless thing, but it's still strong enough to affect the Jedi around, um, but not oh, yeah. really enough to like kill them. And so yeah. I think it was a smart way to present a nameless danger to a bunch of kids mm-hmm. without it having one of them suck their soul out. Um, yeah. But when they're down there, speaking of dangerous parts of this book, Driggit and Gavi fight in one of these rooms where she basically tells Niv to like, okay, you go, there's water rushing in that Ram and everybody else is trying to stave off. And <clears throat> big spoiler moment for the book. She basically stabs Gavi in the chest with, I think one of Zyle's blades. I was shocked. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, such a turn. This is a kid's book. Yeah. She yeah. turned out put on some Bon Jovi, like, you know, yeah. the heart. And I was like, no, what? Not Gavi. Gavi is so sweet and has a crush on Kildo. What? Yeah. And yeah. That was, that was such yeah. a heavy part of the book. Yeah. Driggit. What's really cool. What I really loved about, um, you know, they, Driggit and Gavi, they had this, Driggit was friends with these Jedi younglings and mm-hmm. Gavi and Driggit had a really strong friendship. Um, where, and I think it's really cool to showcase that, Hey, um, this is before when the Jedi were, you know, they were on Volo and they were able to almost like, you know, Driggit is not, was not a youngling in the Jedi temple. Driggit just lived on, you know, this is where, you know, just lived in the city and, but had friends and they were happened to be Jedi. <clears throat> and I thought that was really cool to kind of showcase like how the Jedi were just kind of like interacting with the people and they were able to form like friendships and, you know, there were kids, you know, playing and, you know, even got, you know, Gabi got to get to know Driggit's parents and stuff like that. And, um, but Driggit was hurt to find out that these, the, the, their, her, her friends made it out mm-hmm. and was hurt that they didn't, that she was the last to know that they were yeah. okay. Um, because she kind of blamed herself and that kind of, you know, and what kind of like almost like put her on this path. And um, yeah, I, I, I think Driggit, I kind of, when we were introduced to Driggit and like how there was a friendship, I kind of had an idea. I felt like I knew where this potentially was going to be going. Mm-hmm. And then until this third act, I was just like, oh my gosh, I was like shocked. It like, it completely shocked me, it caught me off guard. That was something that I was not expecting. Um, so, um, which kind of really makes kind of like her future a little bit more compelling for me personally. Yeah, that's especially by the end of the book, because you almost feel like there's well, there's these moments later on in the book where she has full on conversations with Gavi and the rest of the kids. And we find out her state of being and why she's sided with the Nile. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done it as a matter of survival. She doesn't believe in what it is that they're doing, but she can't see any other way for her and her family to survive Yeah. Um, with during this occupation. So <clears throat> I had this feeling that 
she was like, don't worry, I'll take care of Gavi and and would have been like old wrestling move where like, hey, I'm just going to tackle you really hard. Yeah. Make, make it like yeah, it's going to yeah, hurt. Yeah. And yeah. we'll get out of here later. Yeah. And then she stabs him. And I was like, yeah, I honestly, I, I still almost can't believe it. I like had to reread it a couple times. I was like, wait, what? Because I was yeah, confused. I was I was genuinely confused. I thought I misread something. I was like, wait. Yeah. So. Because she's she's still afterwards. <clears throat> she leaves, obviously, mm-hmm. Gavi and the rest of them there while this ship is kind of starting to flood over again. And she gets out with Niv, uh, Niv yeah. Drendal. I'm sorry, I can't just, it's not just Niv. Niv Drendal is his actual first full name. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Daniel Jose Elder. And oh, yeah, needlessly complicated. But so the uh, okay, so they get Gavi out. They use the Bacta. Gavi's able to survive and everything, but is obviously heartbroken at the idea that his friend um, would do something so terrible to them. But they have to move on from it. Yeah, and they kind of give the Nile. Uh, a little bit of a defeat there um, and they're victorious in their own plans despite the heartache. And at the end of the book, the actual end of the book, Driggett and Niv Drendow are in a ship. They leave Vallow. He's got some of his, you know, eye cream medicine and <laughs> she basically like pledges her allegiance to him. Mm-hmm. But you get her inner monologue where she still has some kind of feeling for the rest of them. So it's like questionable, but self-serving for her, her again, yeah. as means of survival. So I'm really interested to see what they do with her specifically. Um, not so much as a villain, but as an antagonist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for some of these other characters um, going forward. I thought it was really fascinating how they managed to do that for a middle grade book. And and I don't mean to say that to put these kinds of books down, but um, this book was just something different um, yeah. with, with these two writers. I, I think Daniel Jose Elder and Alyssa Wong, knowing that they have a longstanding friendship, they've, they've been friends for the better part of 10 or 15 years now, I think something like that, that friendship, I think really showed itself off in how this book was written. Yeah. Um, where they both have very kind of chaotic storytelling methods. Um, Mm -hmm. Like if you read the phase two High Republic comics, uh, High Republic Adventure comics and the Afro comics, this book is on par with those as far as like how it's paced, the insanity of some of the stuff that happens, um, the, the, the humor of it and, and writing younger characters in relationships. um, And as, a way of making that feel more universal. Um, I think it was something really special and I'm hoping I'm putting this out in the universe right now. I'm hoping to have both of them come on this show so oh, I can pick their brains a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and so if uh, DJ and Alyssa, if y'all are listening, um, nothing's been solidified as of yet, but it's something that I'm hoping to have um, happen at some point. And if it doesn't, you know what the forces does things and, quote star wars movie here thing because i don't i can't think of anything appropriate to say right there but that's essentially the book in a nut in a very big fat nutshell um i loved it i loved the first time i read it i loved the second time i read it i love talking about this book i love these characters um it's been really special to see the kickoff to phase three Mm -hmm. um have really really strong entries 
Um, I think so. so. Far. I agree. So, and that includes the comics. The comics have been pretty strong too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Shadows so, of Starlight has been has been really fun. Those four issues, yeah, like with the um, the initiation of the Guardian Protocols, seeing the final moments of Avar and Elzar together before she leaves. Yeah. Um, I think it's Irem. I forget which planet she leaves from. Um, the last issue with Martian Rowe, like these high Republic people, you know, they have bright futures ahead of themselves. You know, I, I hope they stick with writing, um, yeah. as a bunch of young plucky upstarts. They're not, they're all established writers and I love yeah. them. All, yeah. so <laughs> <pretty good. laughs> um, but, uh, final thoughts on the book. What do you have to say, Silver? I, I mean, I agree with you. I thought this was really, I mean, I really... I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed all these characters. Um, you know, got pretty attached to them pretty quickly. Um, really felt for most of them. Um, you know, it's really hard to, it's just really, you know, just seeing young youth and children just kind of in this, you know, during this terrible, scary time um, and just kind of seeing them kind of come together. Um, I think this is why we love Star Wars so much. It's, finding your found family and just seeing them find their family within to each other um, with each other and kind of using that um, kind of leaning on your friends and, you know, the, the willingness, you know, they're, 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 they're younglings, but they, they, they have like that. What, what makes them want to be a Jedi is to kind of like, you know, do, do good. And, um, kind of seeing that from, from, um, these young kids, I've just been really, it's been really hopeful and I really, you know, I really wish nothing but the best for them. So, um, I had, a, I had a blast. This was a, again, this was a quick, easy, fun read, um, you know, some fun adventure, um, really funny. There were some really funny parts. Um, <laughs> I still can't get over that. We have a name. There was like, like, I think about this nameless pet. Like every time we heard about the nameless, it's like really terrifying and scary. But the fact that there's like, it's almost like a lap dog, um, is really, really funny to me. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I can't, yeah. I mean, overall, like you said, it's, um, phase three is just kind of coming out, coming out really strong. So, um, I can't wait to see more from these characters. Yeah, I just did a quick look on uh, Wikipedia, and it doesn't have the name for the little creature. But he he does have a like a nickname for it, and I can't. Uh, he doesn't. I think it's with a G, and I'm trying to forget what the name is, but I don't know. Let, let me reread the book real yeah, fast. Yeah, I don't have the book on it. me. I probably would. I yeah, maybe like definitely like the I don't know towards the end of the second act, third act. Um, what I really like too, there's a lot of there was. There's kind of a few mentions of the Sith in a very dismissal way yeah. like a thing of the past, which is really fun um, because, you know, we have the acolyte around the corner and stuff and it's like, ooh, um, you know, and um, I, I thought that was really fun. You know, you see like the kids are like the Sith that they're ancient history. They don't even exist anymore. And it was yeah, just they're really, not was, real. That's yeah, just stuff they tell just, kids to. It's really, and it's that, that, that for me, those are like, this is what I love about reading like the High Republic, just because we know, you know, kind of, you know, we were, you know, we know, especially when the people start up and like, kind of like getting little hints of like, oh, you guys have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's just really fun. So yeah, I was, um, yeah, that was a kind of fun note of getting like the dismissal of the like Sith being t- uh, talked about, you know, because they're young and they're kids, you know, they, they just hear things that their masters told them. Like these are, mm-hmm. the Sith don't exist anymore, you guys. But 
Well, while you were talking, I just reread the book again. And then okay. this is, yeah, it, its name is it, Grendrick. Grendrick. <laughs> yeah. so, such a like. It's a, what a dumb name, but it works. It's a dumb name for like this pet. It's like, you know, when people got, name their dog. Yeah. yeah. There's got to be something behind it personal for the authors to be like, that's a, that's an amalgamation of some names or something that we're it. not aware of. Yeah. I'm going to ask him if, if I get him on, I'm going to be like, yo, where does his name come from? Cause yeah, for it. sure. Um, oh, but yeah, so I mean, funny. you know, there's the connections to the other books with like Baron Bullen, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, who is a madman, uh, Ithorian character. Like, um, yeah, I, there, there's not enough I can say positively about this book. And, Friends, if you've made it this far into the podcast and you haven't read this book, first of all, thank you. Um, But I have to say, there's a lot of this book that we have not mentioned. So if you're still curious to go out and read it, go pick it up. Um, It's a middle grade reader. It's a very quickly paced book, but it's like 380 pages um, somewhere thereabouts. It's it's a hefty book for a middle grade book. And I will say it's a pretty good standalone. So if you get the gist Mm -hmm. of what happens in phase one, then I think you should be good. So like, even if you feel like, oh, I'm like, not, I'm like not really caught up or like, you know, or, you know, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty good standalone, like contained story where I think, you know, you can kind of easily get invested. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned that when I did my spoiler pre-review, I said the same thing because almost mm. every book, the question comes up, can I start from here? And most of the time it's no, there's a lot you need to know, but I think this book um, maybe not so much as an entry point for yeah. the High Republic, but if you just want to read a story and you haven't caught up on everything else, this book is not super heavy on a ton of spoilers for phase one, except for like Starlight crashed yeah. and yeah. people didn't survive or there's things we don't know about certain characters. Um, so if you have younger readers in your life that are interested in Star Wars, this is not a bad place to start off. Um, just be mindful of some of the heavier um, danger parts, um, that are in this book is, uh, they might be, might be a bit much for, especially for some younger, younger readers. Um, but this book, uh, comes with a super high recommendation for me. Um, and I know silver, you feel the same way. So, um, I have to say, thank you so much for making the time, uh, to come on today. And I think selfishly, uh, the force was in my favor that you didn't go thrifting today, um, because we got to talk about this for for quite a bit. Even though we we planned this out a little while ago, I'm glad things were were able to oh, um, yeah. come together uh, so we can do this. So, Silver, once again, uh, if people are so inclined, where can they find you on the old uh, Holonet? Yeah, um, check out Star Wars Thrifting. I'm on all places of the internet now i'm on um yeah so instagram uh, that's kind of where i'm probably most active uh you can find me on the i'm still calling it twitter but there too um yeah so uh check me out uh, star wars thrifting and we mentioned earlier my podcast into the garbage shoe uh bad batch is going to be starting up here real soon and uh, my friend riley and i are really excited to uh discuss uh weekly episodes chaotically as you do yep as you do yeah Um, well once again thanks for coming out to the show and guys go check out everything that silver's doing um in the uh, insta posts and twitter posts and uh, check out the show it's a lot of fun over there and uh, as for me you guys know where you can find me uh, at cad bane's bounty on twitter and blue sky right now Um, that's where i'm doing all the fun stuff in both of those places 
And uh, if you can't remember that, all you have to do is go to the website, jammedtransmissions.com. It's got all the links for all the stuff. I'll be at the socials. You want to send me an email or a voicemail, you can do that there. Uh, there's also links to put up reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts. And that is my ask of uh, friends out there, if you're listening, uh, wherever you are, to um, drop a review. And if you're loving the show, give me 18 stars. I would really appreciate it. And you can spread it spread it amongst three review things if you want uh, and have uh, three left over for yourself because I think you're great and you can keep those three. So there's all of that. Um, I have to shout out the architect of the website, jamtransmissions.com, my man, Sean Hoffman, who in the last uh, month or so has started up his own podcast with another good friend of ours, Andy Bell. Their show is called Just Shillin', where they're talking about all kinds of fun stuff in fandom, all the things that they're connected or um, excited about, connected to. Those guys ain't connected to nothing but their love of things, and I love them for it. Um, I'm glad I tripped over that right at the end because nobody's <laughs> listening at this point anymore. Everybody turned out a long time ago. Um, so go check them out. Their show is great. And uh, I wish them nothing but the best in the future for everything for the show. Um, guys, remember to rate, review, and share the episodes as they come out. Um, look out for more Broaxium stuff um, from me. Uh, I believe from this point going forward, I will be taking over the Vader run. Uh, as long as that's happening. And um, I forget what other books I'm in charge of. Ooh, Thrawn Alliances I'm also doing for Broaxium. That's a good time because I love my blue dudes. I love my Thrawn and I love my Cad Bane. Those are my dudes. Yes. If Mieber Gascon was blue, he'd be that much more perfect. Than was. Um, yeah, but he's not. So I know that's a lot of stuff, guys. All the links for everything are at the website. Uh, again, jammedtransmissions.com. And uh, Silver, for the last time of this podcast, let me say thank you once again. And um, until next time, there's nothing left to say except for... Bad baby. Oh,